Hi, everybody. It's Edith Bunker, and you're listening to the Zilch Podcast. (laughs) What number is this, Chip? Episode 72, David Alexander of the Monkeys Live Touring Band drops by, and more monkey news. (laughs) Okay, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I say. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Welcome to your podcast full of monkeys, Zilch. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today. And today on Zilch, we are joined by David Alexander of the Monkeys Touring Band. We have wanted to get David on the show for a long time now, and we are excited to finally be able to present this to you. But before that, here is some monkeys news. Suck it to me. A special record store day will happen on Black Friday this year and an exclusive Black Friday Monkeys release is announced. The good times continue into the holiday season as Monkey fans in the United States will have the opportunity to purchase a limited edition vinyl EP that will collect all of the bonus tracks from Good Times. As part of the special Record Store Day release on Black Friday, Rhino Records will issue Good Times Plus, featuring the four non-album songs that were previously only available via iTunes and exclusive retail CDs in both the U.S. and Japan. This is limited to only 2,500 copies. Good Times Plus will be pressed on 10-inch red opaque vinyl. Here is the official track listing. Side A, Terrifying, followed up by Mia Magdalena, Version 2. Side B, A Better World, followed up by Love's What I Want. Check out Record Store Day's official website for participating stores, but it might be a good idea to call ahead and make sure that this collectible monkey's item will be in stock. Get yours while you can. I don't imagine that this will stick around too long. As you know, we celebrate all monkeys fan culture here because fans are the other side of the monkeys phenomena. It was 20 years ago today. Well, scratch that. It was actually 19 years ago on October 24th, 1997, that Aaron Handy started the Monkeys Film and TV Vault, a very cool Monkeys fan page, which is a comprehensive guide to the Monkeys filmed work on TV and on the big screen. So congratulations on 19 years over at the Monkeys Film and TV Vault. We'd just like to send a shout out and congrats from all of us here at Zilch on that milestone. Also file under Monkey's Culture, Susan G. and the fine folks over at Davies Angels sent us a message calling Zilch Nation. Davies Angels have unveiled their new design featuring the complete lyrics to the song Going Down. It's available in many shirt styles, mugs, and stickers, and all the proceeds will go to the DJEMF. Mickey Dolans and co-songwriter Diane Helderbrand both personally approved this design. A prototype shirt was worn by Mary Cherry at the Seattle Monkees concert this last month where Coco and Donna Dolans had a chance to see the shirt up close. They thought it was amazing. 
So we encourage you that if you have somebody that loves the song going down, loves the monkeys, this is a great thing to get. And, you know, whether it's a holiday gift or just a, just a nice way to, to let a monkeys fan know that you love them, get this shirt that features the lyrics to going down and a picture of Mickey Dolan's from the video. It, it is definitely very cool. I know I'll be buying a couple. And of course, once again, all the proceeds go to the DJ EMF. We'd like to thank everybody over at Team Jones and Davies Heard. Thank you so much for all the cool stuff. And if you want to get this, you've got to get it now because it's only available until November 18th. So we are going to have the links in the show notes. Also in Monkey's Culture, the fine folks over at the real Peter Tork official Facebook page posted this really cool graphic. We've been having these wonderful zilch meetups at every Monkey show pretty much. And we've been blessed to be able to, to have these at the shows that we've been able to do. And the real Peter Tork Facebook page posted, wow, four more U.S. shows, four more U.S. zilch meetups. Hashtag Zilch Nation, hashtag the Year of the Monkeys. So that's right, folks. So it seems like there are only four more monkey shows in the United States. As the 50th anniversary tour of the monkeys seems to be starting to wind down, these four dates are Waukegan, Illinois on November 4th, St. Louis on November 5th, Lincoln, Rhode Island on November 19th, and Inglewood, New Jersey, November 20th. So if you have a chance go see the monkeys while you can so we'd like to thank everybody at the real peter torque official page thank you for being awesome as per usual we support you guys and uh, we we thank you for all of the support it is great to monkey around with all of you it is so fantastic to be part of this fan community we want to thank everybody for being part of this and part of the year of the monkeys I will be seeing the Monkees in St. Louis on November 5th. If you're out there, we hope to see you. We will have tons of zilch buttons. We are having a zilch meetup there beforehand. I would like to take a few seconds and personally thank Christine Wolf for all of her work that she's done this year for all of us Monkees fans. She's kind of taken the ball. She is, she is our zilch button queen. She's our zilch button ambassador. She's been organizing these fan meetups and really this year would not be as much fun without her so we want to thank you christine wolf for being part of everything and i look forward to seeing you in st louis along with everybody else we're having quite the meetup opalina salas is flying in and uh, dr roseanne welsh will be there and she's having a book signing there before the concert earlier in the day so please everyone get out there and show her some love and it's just going to be a fantastic monkey's day and now on with the show hi fellow zilch fans this is dr roseanne welch author of why the monkeys matter teenagers television and american pop culture a book about the enduring significance of the monkeys as a groundbreaking television program one that introduced audiences to new ideas of political ideology and new concepts of class and feminist theory. A program that challenged the rules of a new medium and paved the way for future innovation. Why the Monkeys Matter highlights the artistic achievements of the show's writers, actors, directors, and other artists, and celebrates all that the monkeys mean to television, to American popular culture, and to us, the fans. Why the Monkeys Matter is available in print and for Kindle, Apple iBooks, and Nook from your favorite bookseller. Find out more at rosannewelch.com. R-O-S-A-N-N-E-W-E-L-C-H.com.
So coming up is David Alexander. I have to apologize a little bit for some of the audio. I'm not sure exactly why this happened, but for some reason, David Alexander's feed coming into the thing was a little hot. It didn't sound that way when we were recording, but when we opened up the file, there's some of the S's are a little hot. So we apologize in advance, but the interview is excellent and it is worth listening to. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, David Alexander from the Monkees Live Touring Band. Ladies and gentlemen, we are thrilled to welcome on the Zilch Hotline, Mr. David Alexander. Welcome to Zilch. Hey, how's it going? We are so glad to have you here, and I'm joined on the call right now with Sarah Clark. Hey, David. It's great to have you on. No, well, thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, you are sitting in the same chair that John Billings sat in just a few weeks ago. Very nice. Very nice. He kept it warm for me. Very it's good. a little moist, though, I have to admit. <laughs> Uh, oh, this could be especially, you know, they explained to me before we started this podcast mm-hmm. that the reason they do they do it audio only is because they prefer our pants off interviews. So well, it's there perfect. you go. Yeah, it's perfect. It's... That's how we all like it. Yep. So everybody, our pants are off. And we feel you at home should play along. So yes. So there you go. <laughs> Except for those of you at the gym, that might cause you know chafing. <laughs> I say go with it, but, you know, I'm one of those 60s type of people, man. Just let it all hang out. So, David, you are part of the Monkees Live Touring Band, and you have an extensive, long history with the Monkees and Mickey and Peter, Davey and everybody, and we would like to talk to you about that. But before we get into all of that, here's one of the ways that Peter Tork has recently introduced you on stage. Let's check that out. Up here on the keyboards, background vocals, institutional memory, he knows every song we ever did. Please say hello to Mr. Dave Alexander. There he is, David Alexander. What do you think of that? (laughs) It's quite flattering that he uses that title, but I honestly don't really know where he got that from. Well, I I really think it comes down to any time they want to play something, you can instantly, like, bang, whether it's a Beatles song or a Monkey song or whatever, you just, it seems like you know everything. Yeah, I guess that could be what it means, for sure, I could do that. But it's a Uh, very cool compliment. Yeah, for sure, I really enjoy that. Uh, The last show we did, he made mention of me being the vocal coach, which is, it's funny, sometimes... I am delegated that, but other times it's just understood. So, yeah, I've always had that sort of weird, um, yeah, uh, thing where, like, so I was, like, music director for Davey's band for mm-hmm. a while, and some shows he would say it, but other shows he would I- ignore it, and it always kind of freaked me out. It's like, and the same thing's happening now. It's like, I have been delegated background vocal arranger for... A bunch of years except when christian came in mm-hmm. he did the job fantastic you know mm-hmm. he's such a a great arranger and he's got a great ear so it was like i learned so much from him i want to talk about 
the earliest musical memory that you kind of have? Oh, sure. That's an easy one. Well, I grew up in a boarding house. My parents ran a boarding house in Malden, Massachusetts, which was very Ooh. interesting because she was partial to musicians. Mm. So that kind of kicks it off right there from a very young age. She herself played piano by ear, and she was a lovely singer, but it was all by ear, no training. So, uh, I, you know, I also received that from her, which is cool. But, you know, our house was generally filled with music, if not from uh, friends of hers, but my brother, who was uh, a teenager in the 60s, had a lot of musical friends that would come over. But I remember specifically, you can look this guy up on YouTube. His name is Preacher Jack. He was a friend of my brother's from Malden. And this guy was a boogie-woogie piano kind of savant. It was, he was amazing mm -hmm. and such a character. So he used to come over and play the piano that was in the front hall of where I grew up. And um, I just used to watch him with my jaw on the floor. And as soon as everybody cleared away and was I was alone, I would, at five, six years old, just try to practice little boogie-woogie riffs that I heard him doing. And that's pretty much where... Uh, it started for me, and then specifically in second grade, I remember Miss um, Dempsey, our music teacher, had we had a parent open house one day, and the music teacher, she allowed students to come up and strum her guitar while she played the chords with her left hand. So when I got up there to strum the guitar, it was like, I can remember it specifically as being a very happy, joyous moment that like I was helping to create music, and it felt good inside, and it's kind of what I've been doing, like, or trying to do anyways, ever since, so from a very young age. Was there one particular band that grabbed you, like when you... Sure. Who was that? Yeah. Well, it was the Monkees, believe it or not. Aww. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I really just, you know, my parents would, they'd had an extensive record collection of, um, like, country and western and, uh, like some Broadway musicals and they would buy me novelty records so I never had a specific interest until I saw the Monkees TV show around age 9 or 10 uh, you know followed by the banana splits I would run home from school to watch the TV lineup after school TV lineup and there was these four guys having looked like the time of their lives you know and playing some really great music and that one guy with a really interesting speaking voice accent <laughs> he was like really cool but i like the guy with the hat he was like my yeah i, I kind of related to him the tall silent type so <laughs> but yeah their music grabbed me before i even actually realized who the beatles were and uh, it was kind of interesting when i did discover the beatles at around age 13 14 that oh now i know where the monkeys kind of <laughs> got their thing from mm -hmm. Now, uh, how old would you have been when you found both the Monkees and then the Beatles? Yeah, Monkees, like around nine or ten years mm -hmm. old, and then the Beatles uh, really, really caught me around age 13, 14. And I love this story because I'm one of the few people who love that Bee Gees, Peter Frampton movie, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. <laughs> Because when I saw it, the music blew me away, and I had no idea where this music came from. I just, every single song in that movie just caught me, especially the way, I don't know, they portrayed it, and, and 
in the time. And uh, when I asked my friend if he, his brother had the soundtrack in the movie, he showed up with this weird-looking red album with all these people on the cover. And I said, hey, that doesn't have that trumpet-shaped heart that's in the movie. What, what the heck is this? I don't want this. And there's a, he's like, no, 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 listen to it. This is where the actual, you know, they got the music for that movie. Just listen to it, and you'll, uh, I'm sure you'll like it. And sure enough, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, age 14, that was it for me. <laughs> no turning back. The real album. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, kind of a tough uh, pill. I remember going to see it at our local theater, and there was like probably 13 people in it in the entire theater. <laughs> right. And I was there at the time I was anti-disco, but Alice Cooper was in oh, the movie, yeah. and Aerosmith was in the movie. And, right. and I, I went and saw it, and George Burns was also in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it i remember there's been times that i've tried to watch that film and it was just painful to watch but uh recently <laughs> it's it's become something i can really enjoy at this point mm. you know i still cry when she dies when Strawberry yes. dies. <laughs> spoiler alert but yes uh, oh yeah <laughs> like someone was I'm just going sure to watch that so. this afternoon and now you've ruined it <laughs> The other thing that was big for me in the music of that movie was synthesizers yes. really started to pop up in music, and the sound just blew me away. The sound of synthesizers just yeah. caught my attention. And I remember in in like ninth grade, the um, the music teacher brought in a guest who had a mini Moog, mm. and he let me come after school and like sit there and twiddle the knobs, and I was like blown away. So it was kind of fun. Yeah, the the uh, biggest nightmare of that film though was Alice Cooper in a mustache. That's just nah. it was like you look like an old man. Don't do that. Put the makeup back on. Anyway, it's it's just amazing how that music has become such a, a part of our, our our culture, our collective culture. That you know that ten years later it could be a movie starring the Bee Gees, which was probably the biggest act around at that point that they right, uh, sure. kind of gave themselves over to that. But, uh, boy, you know, th that's that's a great musical pedigree when you look at the Monkees, the Beatles, and the Bee Gees. That's, that's some oh, great yeah. stuff right there. Right yeah. there, yep, without a doubt. All of them have great harmonies, and it's just... Uh, what made you want to become a musician? Was it seeing uh, this gentleman that you were talking about earlier with the YouTube clips? Um, what's the name? Preacher Jack. Yeah, Preacher. So, 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 was it Preacher Jack that actually made you want to become a musician, or was it? Seeing... Yeah, it, it was definitely more seeing people smiling and feeling good when I was the one like helping to create the music. Um, that sort yeah. of, uh, you know, get back that I did, uh, that I got. I just felt the 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 power or the love, not power, but you know, the acceptance. I think maybe. I don't know how to explain it. It's just a good feeling seeing people enjoying themselves from music. And it just, I don't know, it just seemed very natural for me to do as well. So it was not, it wasn't really difficult for me to learn music. Uh -huh. um, I'm no virtuoso by any stretch, but I just got this knack, I guess you could say. So how did you kind of get your start playing professionally? I think the first time I got paid to play out was like age 15 in our school jazz band. We had a professional gig. That was pretty fun. Nice. But basically, you know, going out of 
getting out of high school and joining cover bands um, mm-hmm. in the area, getting paid for that. Um, then I joined this cabaret act that paid a lot, a lot of money, and all I had to do is accompany this guy on piano who did these great impressions of singers. That was really cool. I would say oh, yeah. that's how I like kind of cut my teeth in like learning the ups and downs of showbiz because it was a real legitimate cabaret act and uh, um, I met a lot of people through Mm -hmm. that guy I worked with and then um, it eventually led to me meeting actors and actresses I joined up with uh, local comedy improv troops where I was the music guy so um, nice that was a lot of fun uh, getting to work with actors and things like that and then basically around 1993 one of the actors that i had worked with had landed the role of cindy brady in the real live brady bunch show mm-hmm. and um she recommended me to the music director and producer because those two were the creators they were leaving the show so they mm-hmm. were looking for new people to fill their spots and so they called me up. They said, hey, if you can come to San Francisco get an audition for the show, we think you have a good shot at it. And kind of the rest is history from there. I would say that was my first, like, really main, uh, big professional gig because the first right. show we did was at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. <laughs> it was pretty big stuff. Hey, might as well start at the top. <laughs> the um, producer and director, the creators of that show, by the way, are Faith and Jill Soloway, who are now, um, they do the show on Showtime, Transparent, that is Oh, yeah, so yeah. Much, so much accolades. It's a really, really great show. So they've gone on to do incredible stuff themselves. So Wow, yeah. I don't think of, I knew that connection. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So how did you go from that to becoming one of the monkeys inner circle, if you will? <clears throat> Oh, well, you know, in the Brady Bunch, we we put on a bunch of episodes, and uh, at the end of that summer of 93, or during the summer, I should say, they contracted Davy Jones to come and play himself in that all-but-famous episode mm-hmm. where Marsha asked Davy to the prom. So he came and played himself, so I met him in August in Pontiac, Michigan, and we did the show for a few weeks in Michigan, and then uh, I can't remember the other place we did that show that year. But then in 94, we did a, um, uh, a bus tour, and Davey actually <laughs> joined on on the bus tour. So Right. And him and I, we generally would hang out in the back lounge, him and I, and talk and jam, sing Beatles songs. There's that connection again. You know, it's funny how mm-hmm. the Beatles sort of opened his eyes to my I would say musical talent and knowledge of the Beatles and and his music as well so we became friends I would say in 94 and that's when he asked me to join his band the following year of 95 to go to Japan and play keyboards for the Davy Jones band I was like um sure why not sounds (laughs) awesome Why not? Got nothing better to do. No, that's what he said. Hey, man, you know, if you got other things to do, man, you know, I understand completely, you know? All right? It's no big thing. I'm like, no, no, really. I got nothing to do. I swear. <laughs> that's pretty good. Zap, <laughs> monkeys. Come on. Walking down the street. 
We get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. I mean, we stay with monkey around. We're too busy singing. We'll let everybody die. Monkeys, the Minasandes. Oh, I could hide Neath the wings Of the bluebird As she sings Six o'clock alarm Would never ring But it rings And I rise Wipe the sleep Out of my eyes Shaven razors cold さて、今日はモンキーズの皆さんです。グッドモーニング、おはようございます。モーニング、はい。おはようございます。さて、今日はあの、デビーさんにね、お話を伺いしたいんですけども、まあ、すごいですね。え、うちのスタッフにもですね
Did I get enough sleep? Not today, I didn't know. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Davey, I'm sorry, but I think that's unfair of you to do. If you're making me have a choice, I'm going to have to choose Mickey because he's saying I can work with you both, and you're saying I can only work with one guy. So <laughs> that's that's kind of how I made the switch. Mm-hmm. How was that met? You know, how is it? Yeah, like like when you said that. How do you Davey, react? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> how did he react? He was so. He was funny, you know, he, like, makes fun of you, and, Mm -hmm. you know, that's about it. I mean... So, like, you kind of called his bluff, in a sense. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, (laughs) but, you know, he had plenty of guys to come in, and as you saw, maybe in the 2011 tour, that was Davey's band, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, that did that tour. So, um, I saw him, you know, a month previous to his death, and... Like, there was no love lost between us ever. In fact, during that whole time, he called me to sub for his keyboard player three times, wow. like, during those years, mm-hmm. which, you know, like I said, no love lost. It was just like old times, you know. We had lots of laughs, and yeah, it was cool. So I understand that Davy Jones would often have you perform on command this, this one particular <laughs> thing, for example. He would have you... Uh, play edith bunker (laughs) that's right so so then this is this is not just a legend this is this is the truth he he would i think we have recordings yeah Uh, yeah so uh i suppose i'll do my uh on the spot archie and i'm like oh gee edith over there would you give me something to drink can i get a beer edith no you go get your beer yourself Oh, jeez, women live. Because you call me a nobody and they like me at the Sunshine Home. So you stifle. Wow. <laughs> that's that's kind of scary, Dave. A guy as big as right? you to have that voice come out of. That's, uh, uh, that's some scary stuff. <laughs> it's kind of easy because the lilt is pretty much the same as, you know, Kylie from the Three Stooges. It's all up there, and it's all up and down. It's kind of, you just have to change the inflection, the where the voice comes out of, and, and then you have Edith. <laughs> We're going to have to have you do a bumper as Edith Bunker. You ready? Oh, sure. <laughs> ready? We're going to have you do it. This is Edith Bunker, and you're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Right now? Yeah, let's do it. Sure. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's Edith Bunker, and you're listening to the Zilch Podcast. <laughs> Very good. I like that. Very cool. Forget having you come in and be the Beatle guy. I'm just going to have you stay here and be the, the Edith. We're going to turn turn this into the All in the Family podcast now. Oh, We're shifting gears over to so there you go. Well, thank you. That was pretty cool. So, so but but da- but Davy loved you doing this uh, imitation. Yeah, any imitation. I mean, I I do a bunch, but I mean that one just caught everybody off guard. One day we were in a van ride, and Sandy was talking about how he was just watching All in the Family, and mm-hmm. he was he went into his his Archie, and that's when I blew everybody away with the Edith. They were like. Oh, but funny thing was, Davey didn't really know exactly who it was. He just saw everybody's reaction to it, and he was like, "Oh, that must be something." You know, I gotta put that in the show, man. <laughs> that's the funniest part about Davey is like, you know, he knew nobody could upstage him. <laughs> you know, so that's why he let, you know, he let us 
ham around, you know, in the show. He just thought it was like, it was like the monkeys, a variety show. He wanted to keep his show kind of like a variety show, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Davey, Davey had this bigger picture that it wasn't just a band playing. He, he wanted to do like a review almost. <laughs> exactly. And of course that was Sandy Gennaro, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. And he was the drummer for, right. uh, for Davey quite a bit and occasionally the monkeys if I remember right. correctly mm-hmm. and uh, so so you've been kind of steeped in this uh, what was your first time like working with the monkeys proper like uh, how did that sh- you know shift from doing gigs with this Davey or gigs with this Mickey to monkeys proper well let's see I mean doing a Davey and Mickey gig the summer of 95 that was pretty awesome like mm-hmm. really having mickey there like singing the songs and playing behind him that was really 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 cool i mean just i don't know how to, else to explain it was just like an awesome experience but it was also was a great experience was in 97 when i was still on the other side of things and being um i was the guitar tech for uh, when we went to england when all four monkeys last performed together and so i I kind of got to just watch from the sidelines the four monkeys playing a bunch of songs by themselves, and that was an absolute thrill of the lifetime. Second to me, I mean, to seeing like the Beatles all perform live, you know, that was like a, a, a dream come true, like seeing those guys do their thing. It was pretty cool, you know, a little rough around the edges, but I mean, most bands are, you know? Yep. <laughs> You know, it, it had to be surreal because these were these guys that you saw on TV, you know, fighting uh, Dracula <laughs> monsters and uh, swindlers and all mm-hmm. sorts of things. And and here you are, there's there's those guys. And, and you're there with the, the four monkeys in England. Yeah. Just amazing. So, yeah, so awesome. talk about that a little bit. What, what was it like seeing the interplay between them? Because, you know, you had seen them on TV, and then all of a sudden there were these real people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you just saw them as being professional musicians and actors or just dealing with each other. Who I remember Nez wanted, you know, he, he pretty much, I would say, put a lot of that show together. But Davey also wanted to have, I think, a lot of say in what went on. So between the two of them, I think they came up with something good, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. I think, I'm not sure if it was the first time that it happened, but it was incredible to see um, a video lip-syncing to live music. Oh, yeah. You know? I mm-hmm. don't know if that had ever been done, but they played the videos that they made for that uh, ABC special, mm-hmm. like uh, You and I and... Uh, uh, regional girl and like the video is lipping you know lip syncing to them actually playing the songs live like mm. it was so cool was like, mm-hmm. wow good idea <laughs> and it's stuff that later you wound up being part of yourself you know from being a you know someone who is a guitar tech to wind up being a member of the actual touring band and oh, being yeah. on stage and now having to do the same thing you know <laughs> <laughs> it was it was setting you up. It, it was setting your future up in a sense. Uh, so when did they? When when did you get the actual final offer to like, hey, we, we want you to be part of this? You know, 
Yeah, like I said, it was more of a revolving door kind of thing. I mean, I think during that 96, 97, 98 period, they went through about three keyboard guys Mm -hmm. who, you know, all didn't work out for one reason or another. And there I was off stage singing backup vocals the whole time and them being able to hear me over the monitors kind of like <laughs> oh i know it i know it tipped the scale here's here's what really did so the final night of um of uh the england show at wembley stadium we went we all went back to this hotel we were staying at and everybody of course was party partying it up at the bar uh-huh. And there was a piano there, so I got on the piano and I started to play Beatles songs, which is something that I had done privately with my other roadie friends. And so we had like three-part harmonies happening and stuff. So here I am sitting at the piano, and all of a sudden the crowd starts gathering around. And then Mickey comes over, and he's like, oh my God, you know that song? And like, so I start to play like Lovely Reader. I'm starting to play all of the songs from the Sgt. Pepper album on the piano and singing them. And like, after Lovely Reader, he just was astounded. He was like, oh my God, how do you know all that stuff? Like, so exact. I mean, it's amazing. And he like, he noticed me finally after that. It was that we had like a three and a half hour all Beatles piano jam. <laughs> so it was pretty much after that he, he remembered who I was and what I could do. But like I said, after that um, tour, going into 98, you know, Davey just sort of called me. He's like, yeah, I've got some gigs coming up. You know, you want to play keyboards again? I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. So. <laughs> wow. Nice. Very good. Nice. What are kind of some of your favorite memories of being on stage and playing with the guys over the years uh for sure one of my favorite memories is david did this um i think you call it he called it a symposium somewhere in new york city mm-hmm. where it was just sort of a free-for-all he did this at a church somewhere in new york city and a lot of talk a lot of q a but he asked me to come along and play piano and guitar so i did and then you know, at one point he was like, hey, hey, Lofi, why don't you come up and sing one of those Beatles songs you do so well? So I said, sure. And I go up and start playing Getting Better, center stage. And I just look over my shoulder and there's Davey playing tambourine and singing, I can't get no worse. He's singing like backup for me. And I was like, holy shit, this is so cool. Right? Wow. Awesome. And, okay. And, and, and oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. You know, that's okay. What were you going to say? <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I, I think I know this story, but a bit of a, a lot of our listeners don't. How did you get the name Lofi? Oh, right. Because one of my other impressions, uh, he when we were in the Brady Bunch, we would have um, a word from our sponsor commercials. So that we would do live and uh, they were usually 70s themed. So I used to have really long hair and I used to do a commercial as Meatloaf. And I would go up and sing, I would do anything for lunch because I'm way too fat. And, you know, advertise whatever we were advertising. Davey saw me do that. He was kind of impressed because Meatloaf has this big operatic kind of voice. Uh-huh. For some reason, he just didn't, didn't, he never called me Dave. He just called me Lofi from that point on. Uh, from Meatloaf, from seeing me do Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> 
My name's not that hard to remember, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know, if someone says Dave or David or Davey, yeah. both of you might look up. But if once someone right. says Lofi, there you go. And unless Meatloaf's there, that's it. You know, it's all taken care of at that point. By the way, I, you know, you know, I'm surprised that we're we haven't heard from Weird Al yet. Uh, doing uh, She Makes Me Laugh, a version of She Makes Me Lunch. I, I've been. Yes. <laughs> I have been lobbying for that. I even started writing it. So, Weird Al, I've already got half the song written. Give me a call. So. <laughs> one of the earlier gigs, uh, one of my favorite gigs that we did was in uh, Antwerp, Belgium, where we did a live TV show where Mickey and Davey were part of it. But on the same bill, it was the first time that I ever met Mark and Howard from the Turtles. Oh, yeah. And they were so cool. But also on the bill were bands like Slade and also uh, Procol Harum. So oh. there's a TV show out there of the Monkees and Procol Harum and the Turtles and Slade. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Doing some stuff. So that was pretty awesome. One of my other favorite, favorite memories was uh, we were playing in Texas somewhere with Davey, and Cindy Lauper was playing the night after us at this state fair, I think it was. And so she was there the day before. So she had come to the fair to watch Davey perform, because Sandy was still in the band, of course. She, uh, Sandy used to play for Cindy. And so she was there watching, watching us perform, and of course, Davey asked her to join him for Daydream Believer. So she came up and um, she's singing along. And for some reason, I don't think she's had sung that song in a long time. So she kind of forgot the words. So she turned to watch my mouth so <laughs> she knew what words to sing. So here I am. You know, Cindy was also a childhood, well, teenage idol of mine, you know, yeah. in, in early 80s. So here I am watching Cindy Lauper, watching me sing Daydream Believer. It was like blown away. <laughs> oh man, I bet. Cause yeah, I'm right there with you. Cindy Lauper was another one of kind of my first musical loves. So I right. can't even imagine. <laughs> another very cool memory. I think I'll just end off with this one. We were with Davy and Mickey. I think it was 2002 touring around England. Mm -hmm. And we played in Dublin at Bono's club. Or, oh, wow. And we were told that um, Elvis Costello was in the audience, you know? Before the show, there was some sort of technical stuff that kept us from going on. So Davey was kind of getting antsy, and he told the band, you know, why don't you guys go out there and play some blues or something, which is something that he used to say to stall the show. And um, I suggested, hey, can we do I Saw Her Standing There, which is another one of the, the band numbers that we kept in our pocket. So he's like, yeah, 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 go out and do that. So I got to sing I Saw Her Standing There in front of Elvis Costello. Nice. <laughs> I told him after the song, I was like, that was for you, Mr. McManus. <laughs> <laughs> now, a lot of people don't realize, but Elvis Costello is a huge Monkees fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. That's why he was up. <laughs> now, have you ever talked to him about any of this? or? I mean, not really. I mean, he came backstage after the show with mm -hmm. Billy Bob Thornton. and <laughs> So I have video of us all conversing about, you know, stuff and about the time Elvis did that thing on Saturday Night Live where he stopped the band. And, you know, yeah. 
<laughs> got kicked off and all that. Amazing. He says, you know, I took that from Jimi Hendrix, actually. You know, he did that on live TV. I said, hey, if he can do it, why not me? Go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you slip into that Davy Jones imitation pretty right. pretty easily. Right. Between you and Andrew Sandoval, if we ever do a monkey's cartoon, I think we got that locked up. So. Yes. You know it's he going to be, happen. He could be angry, Davy. Yeah. Well, well, give us give us angry Davy or, or, or happy like falling in love, Davy. Can you do the two switches? Can you do that? Oh, what are you? I'm trying to think of a good line that you said to me. <laughs> Actually, on my YouTube channel, I have a couple of voice messages that Davey left for me. And one time I called him, and he wasn't—he didn't answer. And then he called me back later, angry. And I could swear on this, right? Yeah. He's, Go for it. He calls me back. He says, "Fuck you, Lofi, for calling me in the middle of my fucking horse deal." And all, every single one of them got out the gate. I had to chase them all down the fucking road. What the hell are you calling me for, man? What is this a win or something? <laughs> And you actually have that on your YouTube page? The actual. I do. Oh, I, I do. Do you care if we play that so we can, like, compare them? Sure. Okay. <laughs> fuck you, Lofi. Call me right in the middle of my fucking horse fucking deal when every fucking one of the five got out and ran down the fucking road. You're not answering your fucking phone. What is this, a whim or something? Call me when you got something important, okay? No, I'm fucking 4.30 to 6 o'clock, okay? Wow, what a trip. Very cool. We were like brothers. Yeah. Well, I kind of get that feeling, because some of the video we've seen over the years, you kind of get that feeling that uh, everybody was kind of close, and it was really nice. How did you take the loss of him? Yeah, that was uh, was surprising, shocking. Um, You know, I'd lost my parents about 14 years ago, so... Uh, you know, I kind of, it's like you're not prepared for it, but you kind of have to accept it, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm usually the guy that's like, you know, come on, just keep, just remember, just remember the happy stuff. Just remember yeah. how much he made us laugh and remember all this funny stuff. So that's kind of my take on when we lose somebody, you know? But um, I think it was a week or so later, um, there was a Beatle Fest in New Jersey. So uh-huh. I drove down because Mickey was going to be there. And, you know, once we saw each other, that was it. Waterworks. <laughs> it's like hugs and waterworks. And, you know, we got to sing Daydream Believer together. And, you know, it was like kind of neat that we were there for each other. And then we did that memorial at BB King's, which was really nice, you know, just having everybody that loved him there all in one space and hugging each other and sharing funny, funny stories, laughing, laughing mainly, you know. (laughs) I absolutely love the version that uh, Peter and Mickey did of you and I that night. Right. That was excellent. I I told them they should do that. That night, I was like, you guys got to do you and I. You got to. So Peter had to write the words on his hand. <laughs> if, <laughs> if there's videos of him doing it, you'll see him <laughs> yeah. <on> his hand. <laughs> but it was uh, such a great performance. I'm going to play that right now. Oh, cool. Okay, Pete. 
I remember rehearsing it with them backstage with my ukulele, with my new bought ukulele. <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of part of our uh, all of our grieving process in a sense, yeah. you know. Because yeah, right. Mm -hmm. We all, I mean, who who knew what to say? It, it was just so surreal at the time. I remember uh, speaking to my wife, and it really affected her a lot more than did it me at the time. I was just I was too stunned to 
like realize all the feels you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. you, just, mm -hmm. you kind of had to put it into perspective and everything and it just it was just so sad and it's it's sad that mm -hmm. we lost him and it seemed like he had such energy at the time yeah yeah right there was something though I mean I remember I think I mentioned before I saw him a little over a month before that uh -huh. at, at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut and he was like a little quiet you know it wasn't he wasn't saying too too much but he was he was definitely telling me we're getting you back in the band man we're gonna put you back in the band all right you're gonna be up there with us all right all right man and I'm like okay and he hugged me and told me he loved me and I said I love you too and it was like I didn't think anything else of it except what a beautiful moment, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you know, Val Carey, she said about a month before she she ran into him, and he said, I'll, I'll get back to you, but sadly they never were able to get back uh -huh. to one another. But she, she, she asked him to please go see a doctor because he was saying, no, it'll be fine, it'll just be fine, everything's going to be fine. Right, that's him. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, but he didn't know how to stop either. Yeah. I mean, from what you see, it's like there's a lot of people that are performers that would have, okay, the monkeys end it, you're sidelined, you go get a job selling tires at Sears, you know what I'm saying, or whatever. Mm -hmm. These guys didn't stop. Even when they were a pariah, even when the industry wanted zero to do with them. I mean, mm -hmm. it's weird to think of somebody that had a network television show having to audition for bit parts on Adam 12 and things like that. And yeah, it was right. it was almost to a point where both Davy and Mickey were so famous that they couldn't be anything other than those characters on that show. Right. Mm -hmm. It'd be like having Colonel Sanders be a lawyer on a television <laughs> show. You know. Right. I think that's why Mickey went behind the camera yeah. know, in England for as long as he did. You know. Yeah. But they both survived. And, you know, that's that's half of it in, in entertainment or anything. If you can survive long enough, it'll come back around again. Oh, for sure. And boy, did it ever in the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, give us your thoughts on the 80s Monkeys revival. Yeah, you know, it was like by then I was so heavy into the Beatles that when the Monkeys came back onto the MTV scene, I was like, oh, oh yeah, oh, that's cool. But I really didn't pay much attention to it. I mean, I think I had an inkling to want to go and see them in concert, but I wasn't as much of a fan as I was when I was a kid, uh -huh. you know? It was like, I, I still liked their music, but not as much as I liked the Beatles music at that point. I was kind of really inundating myself with, you know, that stuff. Well, it was odd because around the same time, the Beatles were putting out their catalog for the first time on CD. And oh, Rhino right. was doing that uh, revival almost at the same time. It was it was great. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that as a as a fan of the yeah. Beatles and a fan of the Monkees, I was, uh, as they say, hog heaven. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's definitely a great place to be. Now, you guys were recently on AXS TV. It was a fantastic right. show. There was okay. some technical snafus, but you know what? You guys plowed right through everything yeah god sure. god bless peter tork man he that and and uh who's his guitar tech friend a friend of ours that subbed for uh, our regular guitar tech that couldn't make it to the show that that day well that guy 
boy, I he you know I didn't know if I was watching the Olympics or or the Monkees concert as fast as he was because he brought out that one guitar and it wasn't working. So then psh, back off the stage and then psh, right. back on the stage. <laughs> and I loved how Peter just improvised. And yeah. it was strange seeing him perform without the guitar on that one song. Right, it was. But he just rolled with it. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yep, we were all so happy with that because I think there would have been a time in the past where there might have been a melt- meltdown. <laughs> but not anymore. You know, he was perfect. He was so professional. And, you know, it was seamless, like you said. So no- nothing lost there. Both Mickey and Peter really have become frontmen on their own i mean it's just it's just absolutely amazing to see what they've become yeah i know they keep going and it's amazing to to see every every single night you know Mm -hmm. so to be a part of it (laughs) definitely now you are on what we are calling the tour that never ends yes it goes on and on my friend It, who would have thought, you know, we've been calling this the Year of the Monkeys, and as it turns out, it actually is the Chinese Year of the Monkey, uh, wrong spelling, but it is, oh, is really? the, yeah, it actually turned mm-hmm. out to be the Year of the Monkeys in on the Chinese cool. calendar, you know. Of course, they're spelling it wrong, but we right. can forgive them for that. <laughs> but we started saying that 2016 was going to be the Year of the Monkeys, and boy, has it ever. You've got the Blu-ray set and the album Good Times. And you're on tour. What did you think of the album Good Times when you first heard it, both as a Monkees fan and as somebody who is part of the Monkees touring band? Oh, yeah. So they just blew me away out of the water. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, this is exactly what a Monkees album should be. It's like great songs, great performances, great, you know, vocals and harmonies and Oh my God, me and Magdalena, when I heard that, I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is like, this is phenomenal. This is like such a breath of fresh air in the light of certain, you know, certain music that's around today and like Mm -hmm. shoved down people's throat. It's kind of music that like really means something. You know what I mean? I mean, sure, summer and makes me laugh. You know, they're your typical fun, you know, forget your worries kind of songs, but... Mm -hmm damn they're good you know they're still really good but yeah that me and magdalena is quite quite moving very much so very transcendent is there a song on the album that you are itching to possibly play live whether it ever happens or not it's this one you like go oh man i'd love to tear into that one which that one (laughs) so me and magdalena oh yeah you know that Mm -hmm. we played nez nez's neighborhood so he showed up and with us but during sound check they started talking about it a little bit and i happened to be right there at the keyboard and i started playing do 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 i'm like i'm gonna do that in the show tonight you guys are gonna be forced to just sing it yeah <laughs> nez, nez smiled and nodded <laughs>
was that to work with him all of a sudden just you know because you guys are so adept at being able to roll with whatever punches you have you know Andrew comes in says well this is what we're doing and you guys got to find a way to make it happen Uh, was it easy to fold Nez into the performance that night oh for sure he was uh, very open to you know just falling into what we do and it was it was great it was no work at all it was uh I was really excited that um, he sang Circle Sky in the original key of A, whereas I think in the past we had lowered it uh, because, you know, he just, he was singing every single night, so it's kind of a stretch of a song. But he nailed it, and it was like, oh my god, it reminded me of uh, 97 tours when he was like wailing away on that song. It's just like... I have the monitor guy crank up Nez's voice in my ears, and it's like, yeah. Nice. <laughs> this is it for me, man. <laughs> now, 
what was it like having him uh, come back on a personal level? What 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 was the mood between the guys? Oh, great! I mean, they always love to see each other. There's camaraderie. Fifty years of camaraderie. You know, they hug each other. I'm sure you know they had their ups and downs along the way and everything. But now that they're fifty years on, it's like, you know, it's just like. They're old brothers, uh, the brothers that none of them ever had. Um, Peter had brothers, but um, yeah, I don't think Mickey or David. But they weren't primates, us, you know, right? Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> monkeys, Planet of the Apes, kind of a thing. Planet of the Monkeys. There you go. So it, it, it was quite a thrill for all of us, you know, to even watch it through YouTube and mm-hmm. the live uh, feed that. Uh, the monkeys tour facebook page was was showing it was just fantastic it was just excellent very special moments so david you and the monkeys recently played a show uh which is very important in the history of the monkeys legacy it was the last show with mike nesmith at the pantages in california could you share some of your thoughts from that night with us oh sure let's see it wasn't too much like pressure going into it because you know, Peter had to miss a couple of shows mm-hmm. beforehand, so Nez stepped in and uh, made some really interesting arrangements of some of the songs, and we were all kind of blown away by it. It was really cool, and, you know, we had a couple of shows in Arizona before the Pantage show to work out the bugs, mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, Peter stepped in in Los Angeles and, like, just immediately was able to follow along and understand everything and my thoughts on the show is everybody was on point on their game and um it made it for a great and easy show it was i think we gave the fans exactly what they were expecting hoping for and made you know nez's last show the best it could be because the guys you know i mean we do we all do our jobs, but those guys specifically, you know, they came ready to rock. and It was a great show. It was bittersweet. Definitely. Was there a particular highlight from the Pantasia show? Well, I mean, Nez sang his uh, tapioca tundra near the end of the show just mm-hmm. by himself, him, him in the audience, explaining that the song was written about, you know, it's really not about us, it's mainly about you and so just watching him singing that alone yeah it was kind of uh again a bittersweet moment like it's sad to see something like that come to fruition because you never want to believe that you know anything right. good like that can end but if if that was the ending it was sweet and heartfelt and uh yeah that was pretty nice It was definitely a magical night. Oh, 
silent spells that speak in clouded clues. It cannot be a part of me for now. It's part of you. Careful plays on fields that seem to vanish when they're in between. And softly as I walk away in freshly tattered shoes, it cannot be a part of me, for now it's part of you. David, a lot of folks, when they go see the monkeys perform live, I don't think that they really look into what all goes on behind the show and all the people that it takes to put this on. And you have everybody from uh, the people backstage to your, you know, guitar techs and your, you know, all this stuff. And it really kind of starts at this point with Andrew Sandoval. Oh, yeah. What can you tell us about working with Andrew Sandoval? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, he's definitely the brains behind the outfit without a doubt it's his vision and his you know what he thinks a monkey's show or concert should be and man in my opinion he's nailed it every every single year nailed it, it exactly the kind of show that i would love to see if i was not in that. you know if if i was a fan of the band i would leave that show by saying man that was like a fantastic fantastically produced show i don't know you know it's just great working with Andrew. He knows his stuff. He knows his history. And I think he also comes from the same 
places us as kids. He was a big fan of the show mm-hmm. as a kid, you know? And so, um, and he's very musically talented as well. So he, he creates the set lists for us. And, you know, there's been a couple of changes here and there, but that's how you do it. You just, you see how it goes and you learn the flow. And the flow right now is just like, it's incredible. He's a, he's a genius, really, really genius. It's great to work with. What's one thing that we would be surprised to find out about him? Huh. That he is a master at the video game Galaga. Really? Huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> and of course, you guys do dueling impersonations. Yeah, every so often we'll do a Davy, dueling Davies. <laughs> Someone's got to put that on YouTube, so <laughs> you know that that would be great. Uh, yeah, it, it just seems like he, you know, it's it's like the line Fubu, you know, for us by us. He's definitely the fan in that sense. He, as a director, he kind of puts it all together with the fans in mind for sure. And mm-hmm. then you have Mr. Guitar, the one, the only, Wayne Avers. What can you tell uh, us about working with Wayne Avers? What can I not tell you? I mean, he joined he he joined Davies Band about four years before I came into the mix. So he's got about four years of seniority on me. But I've known him for 21 years and have never not been blown away by him. His playing, his musical prowess, his professionalism, He's, and not only that, I mean, for knowing him for so long, we've obviously become very close. So, like, I can call him in a pinch or any time, you know. If I have something I need to talk about with somebody, he's right there for me. You know, he's, like, the greatest guy you ever want to meet. You know, he kind of keeps to himself on, you know, low-profile kind of guy. But once you get, if you get to know him, if you're lucky like me, you just, like, I'm so blessed to have that man in my life as a friend and you know comrade in arms as it were <laughs> yeah he recently had a birthday <clears throat> all right that's right mm-hmm. and 57 it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how uh you know all this play out on facebook and that's kind of uh due to the next person that we're going to talk about and that's uh <laughs> the big man on base john billings <laughs> right. Yeah, he John. was. Yeah, he was on the show recently, and I told him you were coming on, and he uh, he just started laughing. So <laughs> he's he, uh, he he seems to really enjoy his spot on the stage, and he really holds it all down on the bass. What can you oh, tell yeah. us about John Billings? Well, let's see. Um, He's the best ass out of all of us. That's for one. Um, no, <laughs> no. When I met John, it's like he's a solid stand-up guy. Your typical country gentleman, you know. Mm-hmm. He's from Virginia, moved to Tennessee, but uh-huh. he's been in the music business. Well, I think well over fifteen, twenty years as well, with such amazing acts as. Donna Summer. I got to see him play with Donna Summer. He played yeah. with her for 15 years. Played with Winona, Winona Judd, and Rick Springfield, among others. And man, he knows his craft. He knows his sound. And I, I want to get to know him better on a technical side because he's also a, 
a sound engineer. I mean, he does yes. recording at his home and stuff like that. And he, you know, he can talk gear, which is something that I don't do. I'd love to be able to have the chance to work with him in that setting at some point in life, in my life, you know. I consider myself a, a good producer of music. I haven't done a lot of it, but I know I've been in that chair where I've um, sort of controlled the session and told the engineer what I think it should sound like and bounced ideas off people and I'd love to be able to do that with John Billing someday so well the next time you guys are sitting at Cracker Barrel <laughs> <laughs> right I couldn't believe he went there recently <laughs> <laughs> well you guys are you know you're traveling and uh, you know people don't realize when you're traveling how much of a joy it is to be able to walk into a place that is the same in Poughkeepsie <laughs> as it is in Moline Right, <laughs> you know, there's some security there. When you wake up and you don't know which town you're in, it's nice to be able to go get a number four or whatever, you know, yeah, and know it. exactly what you're getting. But John really seems like a real sweet guy, and he was an absolute delight and a joy to have on the show. And cool. uh, you know, he always classes up the joint when he brings his wife along. So. Uh-huh. Nice. Of course, yes. <laughs> uh, he, he posted a photo of him sitting across from her at Cracker Barrel, and I told him that the scenery was better than when Mickey's there. Yes, so. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. But he, he also referred to Mickey as the Cracker Barrel ambassador? Yeah. I mean, that's where Mickey says, I mean, we laugh, but <laughs> he kind of th- says things sometimes like he, he it's the first time he said it like you know let's uh you know if we find someplace good on the way you know like cracker barrel <laughs> <laughs> the official restaurant of the touring mickey dolan so there you go it's fantastic uh but he was just fantastic and he had a lot of good things to say about you so there you go <sighs> That's cool. Yeah. And then we come up to the man on drums. Right. Yikes. Wow. What a talent. Rich Dart. Yep. A drummer's drummer. He's he's my kind of drummer. He's a purist, which is mm-hmm. what I am. You know, we like to, when we're told to follow the record, we're like in our comfort zone. It's kind of, I mean, <clears throat> to create something on our own is fun as well, and we're capable of doing it. But when it comes down to like, trying to match the sounds of something that is so recognizable he's he's got that down he always amazes me i mean at the beginning of pleasant valley sunday intro there is a random uh stick click that Mm. you just really have to listen to to catch yeah 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 it's there it's he he plays it he does yeah i'm like what the hell It comes at an odd time, and all of a sudden, with like, wow, you hear him. It's like, whoa, he really got that down. Because it almost sounds like someone's dropping a drumstick if you listen to the CD. It's hilarious. There's, there's almost, there's a, there's a drum fill in the song "Words" where the cymbal crashes on an odd, on an odd note. It sounds almost like a mistake. But I don't know if it is or not. But Rich nails it. He he's like he nails it. It's like oh my god. It's like it's awesome. Yes, and a great timekeeper. It's to work with those guys, those three. You know, John and Rich and Wayne 
carrying the pocket is amazing it's like so easy to just slip right into their pocket which is a, a musician you know a guy a keyboard player's dream to just be able to fit right into the pockets so yeah drummer's drummer and as far as rich's personality goes he's an asshole no. <laughs> I told him I would get him back for his his podcast appearance. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So he knows I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, do you guys actually listen to these things ever? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh, uh oh, Sarah, we're gonna have to start doing better. This is. <laughs> All this crap we've been getting away with up till now, we gotta step up our game. Yeah. You know. We're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but man. no, Rich has been—he's been there for me through thick and thin as well. You know, I've gone through a couple of rough patches over the past couple of years, but yeah, Rich will be the—he'll be there too. It's like a great big family. This whole. You know, I know we haven't gone through everybody yet, but everybody in this is like brothers in arms and sisters. Yeah. You know, and, so it's really yeah. cool. And speaking of sisters, I want to hear about your uh, next door neighbor, Coco. What's it like yeah. hanging out with her on stage? Wow. The vibes that she gives off it just is like, it's almost like being in heaven. <laughs> no. She's such a sweet soul and such a pure heart individual that, you know, standing next to her is a pleasure i never get to tell her either because we're always just pretty much up there working and when we're off work we don't sit there and like that you know sort of badger mm -hmm. each other like you're amazing you're amazing we just talk like regular people you know so i yeah i, I don't tell her enough how amazing she is to sing with and be right next to on stage it's such a pleasure because you know being you know, not only with a great person, but somebody who was also there when everything was actually happening. You know, she yeah. sang on the, some records and everything like that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, she knows where it's that that chick. <laughs> <laughs> and and, yep. and and Coco really seems to want the best for everyone, and she mm -hmm. seems to be a, such a centered person. You know, mm -hmm. more more centered than your average bear, if you will, and she she yeah. really projects that. What have yes. you What have you learned from her? Because she's kind of like a teacher in a way. Oh yeah, just to sort of look out for myself uh, as much as I would rather look out for others. You got to start with yourself. That's a big important lesson that I think most people with common sense know, <laughs> but I seem to forget. <laughs> I yep. love helping people out. I love giving people the benefit of the doubt. But guess what? It's got to start with myself first. Yeah. So Absolutely. that's a big one. <laughs> Very good. And today, as a matter of fact, well, as we are recording this today, Coco was on Breakfast with the Beatles, and she sang this wonderful tune. So take it away, Coco. <laughs> But tomorrow may rain, so I'll follow the sun. Someday you'll know I was the one 
But tomorrow may rain, so I'll follow the sun. And now the time has come, so my love, I must go. And though I lose a friend, in the end you will know. Oh, one day you'll find that I. But tomorrow may rain, so I'll follow the sun. And now the time has come, so my love, I must go. And though I lose a friend, in the end you will know. Oh, oh one day you'll find that I but tomorrow make way so I'll follow the sun but tomorrow We still have Beatle jams, by the way, after a show at a hotel lobby. If there's a piano there, we did it in Louisville. That was the most recent one where, you know, Mickey will point to the piano and I'll just go sit down and we'll just start singing away. I just seen a phase, help, you know, whatever it, whatever mm -hmm. it is. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I think that uh, that would be something every monkey slash Beatle fan would love to see. That would just be amazing. Oh, yeah. You got to roll video I'm, on I'll this. never forget a compliment he gave me that I'm so proud of that I don't mind sharing it with everybody. But I I was feeling a little, I don't know, I can't remember what, a down about not being part of a Beatles band or why don't they use me or, you know. I'm like, I can't remember exactly the context of what I was talking to Mickey about. And I was like, I just wasn't feeling confident about my abilities and he said to me no but you don't understand i was there you you have what they had and i was like mm. holy crap <laughs> he was like wow i was there <laughs> I was like, oh, oh and he, wow <laughs> and he was told he had a good time yes <laughs> do you like playing that song i do you know why it reminds me, why don't we do it in the road? <laughs> it, it same here. I yeah. thought the same thing. It reminds me very much of John Lennon, and you know, in Bit Bop, where Paul McCartney does that scatting in Bit Bop. Yes, that's what that reminds me of, mixed with "Come Together," mixed with "Why don't we do it in the road?" And that exactly. is, mm -hmm. I was there, and I'm told I had a good time. Yep. <laughs> and I'm so hoping when I come see you guys, that you guys are doing that that night. I will cry. Oh, cool. I will cry. Uh, if it's I, a full set, it's it's in there. It's yeah, a, it's a full. Yeah, that's that's what John was saying. So I'm, I'm begging right now. Please, pretty please. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so let's go to the front of the house now. We have some guy <clears throat> named Mickey Dolans. Tell us all oh, about yeah. Mickey Dolans. Ah, uh, brother and a half man like I, I think I mentioned earlier on the podcast I don't think I could explain it any better it's just whenever we 
connect eye to eye during certain moments we just know that there's something special there it's like i know he's a true friend just by how he treats me and talks to me and uh when we were together at at uh that beetle fest after davy died and we're hugging you know there's just no explain you know i can't put into words what a friendship like that is like it's you know it means he, he means the world to me <clears throat> you know I, i've watched his daughters grow up and good friends with amy and her, her, her wife her husband jerry and i'm going to emily's wedding you know so it's yeah it's like one big family you know it absolutely seems like it from from the outside of it it really does seem that way yeah <laughs> you know it's that's that's a good thing it's a very good mm -hmm. thing it it makes me want to join up with you guys i'm, I'm gonna you know, come on and be a conga player or something you know, just... there's not that many bands around where i mean paul mccartney's guys have been with him maybe 10 10 or 12 years or you know those guys are, are doing pretty good but like there's a lot of revolving door policy with bands and stuff and backup members and things like that but i feel so humbled to be part of this for so long it's just it's just incredible blessed i'm just so blessed yeah do you ever find yourself in that spot where like you pinch yourself and go that's that guy that was on tv <laughs> yeah for sure mm -hmm. i do <laughs> yeah it's it's funny it's yeah. like yeah he's talking that way that way he did on the show you know there he yeah. goes. He's riffing in that German accent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this other guy on the stage, Peter Tork. Now, speaking uh, of teachers, he seems to be, I've always taken away, and I've said this many times, that I always feel like he's a teacher. Like, whenever you had, there's an interview with Peter or he gets in front of a new musical instrument, he just... Mm -hmm he just has to perform and has to like explain the history of where this organ came from and things like that. Yeah. Am I getting a good reading on that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yep. He has definitely got that going for him. That's why I think he's so happy with his current wife, Pam. Um, you know, she's, she's also a teacher. Mm. So they get along just well. They have a lot in common amongst, you know, that must amongst other things but yeah for right. sure he's a great a great teacher and mentor i must say you know wait that's been a slow curve like getting to know peter over the years but i finally feel like the bar the barrier has broken like him and i have become close at more than we ever were mm -hmm. you know these past mm -hmm. few years he's an amazing person i'm so blessed to like really know him now as well you know He's shared so much for me with me, and um, yeah, I, I, I have nothing but good things to say about him. <laughs> well, if 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 it's true that he is somewhat of a teacher, what would you say you've learned from him? <laughs> you want to hear the funny story? Sure, sure. <laughs> okay, so we were on the bus, and you know, people laugh at this, but believe me, his heart was in the right place he he really meant this for good and not for anything other than to help me out and it's true like so one day he's like 
Dave, can I have a word with you in my office? Meaning the back of the bus, you know, I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so he sits me down and he just doesn't really know how to approach it. But he's like, you know, Dave, um, I've been thinking and I really mean this in all, you know, prosperity. I mean, to uh, really just to, looking out for you and want to help you out. But have you ever considered singing lessons? <laughs> Now, right, knee-jerk reaction is, are you kidding me? But no, the thing was, he went on to explain that, you know, you're an incredible singer, you can do incredible things with your voice, but it seems to me you're not doing them properly. And he's like, you know, he's like, far be it for me to tell anybody, you know, that they should take singing lessons, but he said, I, I've been taking them for the past number of years, and I've learned so much about technique that has only helped me to better my voice. And so I'm only telling you this to look out for you. You know, I don't want to see you hurt yourself. I'm, you know, <clears throat> and then he proceeded to teach me some basics of breathing, and using the diaphragm and singing lessons. And it was it was fun. It was like really, I thought really nice of him. You know. <laughs> wow. But but, right? it, but in a sense, he was actually looking out for you because exactly. there's a lot of people that can sing. They can sing yeah. their hind ends off. But yeah. if you can't do it over a great length of time without damaging your voice, you could cause yourself a big problem. Look at McCartney. I mean, I hate to say it, but he's reaching that point where mm-hmm. he's losing part of his voice. He doesn't do warm-ups. He's never had a lesson, you know? Well, even Mickey... Mickey has said uh, huh? no, no go on yeah you were gonna say yeah, exactly what mickey's I... mickey's taken professional lessons because of his broadway experience and mm-hmm. he hasn't lost his voice unless he no. doesn't practice but he does practice he does do warm-ups and he nails it he's still got it it's like amazing to see him do what he does but he's learned you know yeah well if i remember <clears throat> the story correctly uh, Mickey has his wife to thank for that because she said, oh, yeah. you know, we got to, you know, we want to keep this greatness going, you know, and you, mm-hmm. you, you don't want to damage your voice in the long run. Right. So, you know, that's definitely the way to go. You've got to mm-hmm. take care of your instrument. A lot of people think, well, it's just my voice, but you can always get a new guitar. Yeah. You can't always get a new voice box. So. Right. That's right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So, and I guess that that kind of leaves us with Mike. Is you have any Mike stories or anything you'd like to share about that? Yeah, he's just a, a pleasure, a, a lot of fun to be around with. He, he's a really funny guy. So I'm always laughing at stuff that comes out of his mouth that he means to be funny, you know. And some people like are looking at me like, really? What are you laughing at him to kiss his butt or something? I'm like, no, he's legitimately funny to me. He's He's got that sense of humor that I really mm-hmm. appreciate. It's off the wall. It's like benign. It's, it's a very wow. funny guy. <clears throat> we spent, um, one day our bus broke down, or I can't remember the circumstances, but me and Rich ended up traveling on Nez's bus. It was amazing. He he was playing DJ. He put on like uh, ZZ Top stuff that I haven't heard yeah. from ZZ Top before, and like he's dancing to it, you know? <laughs> like, you know. And then there was this one time where he put on this this song. It's a long country and western song. And remember those country and western songs that basically would tell a story. Oh yeah, the story songs, the best songs. Yeah. So this they one stick was with about. You. 
this truck driver who was driving a load of chickens. Okay? But him and his daughter Jessica knew every last word to this five-minute story song about this truck driver hauling chickens. And they acted it out. And I never laughed so hard in my life. I, I couldn't get my phone out fast enough to record this, but like Naz was playing this big truck driver and he has to slam on the brakes because they're going to crash and like they're loading, driving chickens. I mean... Hauling chickens f- on a flatbed out of Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, by the way, the song for everybody is C.W. McCall's Wolf Creek Pass. So, Is that the one? Yeah, I believe that's the one. <laughs> I have to put some of yes. this in the show kit. <laughs> it won't be the same as as Nez doing it. Well, no, and, but people can imagine. And uh, <laughs> dancing to ZZ Top as you're going <laughs> right. down the highway. I couldn't believe it. I mean, and seeing Jessica, his daughter, do it with him was like, they knew every last word. It was amazing. Well, we commenced the truckin', and them hens commenced the cluckin'. And then Earl took out a match and scratched his pants and lit up the unused half of a dollar cigar and took a puff. Says, my, ain't this pretty up here? I says, Earl, this hill can spill us. You better slow down, you gon' kill us. Just make one mistake, and it's the pearly gates for them 85 crates of USDA-approved cluckers. You want to hit second? Yeah, all the uh, the feathers from the the chickens are clouding up the uh, windshield in the engine. That's right? it. That's, That's it. the song. That's the song. All right, so we do have the correct one. Right. <laughs> Just checking. But <laughs> wow, what a trip! So that's a, a day on the life touring with the monkeys. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Now, uh, let's bring it back to Davey real quick. Um, yeah. You guys are playing uh, tribute to him, in a sense, by having him sing on the stage live with you guys nightly. Uh, not daily nightly, but just nightly. Right. <laughs> or, or nightly daily. But you guys right. are, are doing two songs with him on this tour. Mm-hmm. And that's Daydream Believer and Shades of Grey. And we watched it on the live concert on AXS TV. Mm-hmm. And I had I was kind of prepared for the Daydream Believer thing, you know. Mm. But the Shades yeah. of Grey one. Oh, yeah. That one really got me. Yeah, that video is intense. Yeah. And you know, for those who haven't seen it or haven't seen the monkeys on tour, it's 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 seriously a highlight of the, the, the current tour, if you ask me. It's it's one of them. And there are mm-hmm. there are many of them. But there's just something about that song. It's kind of like that empty chair that's sitting there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how you see these photos on the on the screen behind you guys, and it's 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 black and white and it's gray, the shades of gray, mm. literally there right before you. And you know, it's weird because when I was young, shades of gray meant moral, you know, a- ambiguity and things like that. Now. Mm-hmm. It's what I see when I look in the mirror, you know, and be, before Miss Clearall shows up. But there, there's that part of it too. There, now there are shades of gray, and it's not just uh, 
moral ambiguity, but, but in all stages of our lives, you know, and we're all getting older and we look back and we see this clip. How does that touch you or what does that make you think about when that happens in the show? Oh, I mean, when we first were doing it, it was, uh, it was gut wrenching and sad to hear him there coming out of the speakers and in my ears, it was like, Oh wow, he's still here. Obviously he is still here with his messages and, and, you know, <clears throat> whether it be from the monkey's days or just stuff I've heard from him over the years, but yeah, it really just keeps him alive, which in, in my heart in everybody's hearts as well, which is much more than you could ask for at this stage. I mean, yeah, just having him there just feels complete. You know, it's, it's the best way to tribute him and what the monkeys have done for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, two, three, four. When the world and I were young, just yesterday.
you know, basically keeping his the happiness that, and generosity mm-hmm. that he shared and that he taught me so much. Sharing that in you know, whenever possible is the way I keep him alive and share his message. I think. Couldn't say it better. So what would you like to say to the Monkees fans out there that have yet to see you guys on tour? What do you got to say to those folks? Uh, I mean, if you haven't seen a Monkees show, it's great. It's great fun. Um, the music that Andrew picked this year is just phenomenal. If you like the new album, we're doing at least th- three songs mm-hmm. from that album, which are great. Great fun. They sound great on on stage. They're so much fun to do. You'll see Davey in there. You get to hear your share of Nez tunes, even though he's not there. <laughs> he, you know, it still works. It's you get to see um, the monkeys uh, because of the media that is playing behind the music. It just fills in the gaps of you know. It's a really great concert um, this year for the fiftieth anniversary tour. Here we are. And, yeah, and it's all due to you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, the fans really make it make it worth it, you know. Uh, everywhere we've, we've gone, the reviews are great, and the feedback on Facebook and media has been just nothing but positive. So we thank everybody as well for coming to the shows. And please keep coming. <laughs> keep us yeah. going. And wear your pink party hats. That's it. <laughs> yep. Now, did, did you happen to see the Zilch Nation sign that was being held up at the AXS TV? Uh, I did. I yeah. did. Uh-huh. Yeah, because that was on your and Coco's side of the stage. Coco said that she saw it uh, the other day, and I was like, yeah, cool, you know. Yeah, I'm still sad I couldn't drive it, make it down for that show. Unfortunately, I got to work for a living. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got to pay for the microphone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, we are we are so glad to have you on this episode of Zilch, and thank you for kind of giving us a glimpse through the last few years and even further back, and uh, all the many schizophrenic voices from Edith to Davy to uh, <laughs> the lads. You know, uh, it's it's been a, it's been a blast having you on, and you know, as we tell everybody, this is your show. This is part of everybody that had something to do with the monkey story, whether it's Valkyries or, or, or whoever. Anybody that's part of the monkey's history, this is your show. This is in tribute to you. So we want to thank you on behalf of all the fans for helping keeping the monkeys going on the road. Oh, my, it's a humbling experience, for, without a doubt. I, I mean, I couldn't have asked for a more blessed life with these people. Um, yeah. So thanks for having me. I want to mention, yeah, I have some interesting videos on my YouTube channel, which, you know, is basically under my name, David Alexander. There's some, like, a bunch of Davy clips, like at the time we were on TV in Japan, uh, to me and Davy jamming outside of a hotel somewhere in Virginia. Like, yeah, there's just a whole bunch of, uh, also just me being a real kook, which is something, you know, people might not, know about me I, I enjoy being a kook in front of the camera which i hope to do someday in the future like professionally when everything is said and done in this world uh in the monkey's world hopefully it won't happen soon but uh yeah i'm 
check out my YouTube channel if you can. Uh, you'll, you might get a chuckle. Well, we will definitely put that in our show notes and in our Facebook thread on this. And uh, just, gosh. Oh, by the way, one last thing. You were recently yeah. made a meme. Yes. Yeah, isn't that cool? <laughs> During the uh, Let's Dance On, which, by the way, you guys are playing that for the first time this tour ever. Mm-hmm. The, the monkeys are playing that for the first time ever on this tour. Sounds awesome for the record. And Thanks. And Mickey goes over by you. And here comes the solo, and you pull out this thing, and I'm sitting there going, what the hell is that? Right? When I was learning the music for this for the show, I mean, I know that song, but I never really listened to it, like, you know, under a microscope. And all of a sudden, the solo comes, and I'm like, oh my god, a melodica. I get to, I get to go and buy a melodica <laughs> and play the melodica in the show. How cool. It's a little keyboard that you blow into made by a company called Honor that makes um, accordions and stuff. So it's kind of got an accordion vibe to it. Yeah. The only difference is mm-hmm. you blow into it. Right? Wow. <laughs> Can you play us that solo right now? Can yeah. you do that? All it's, right. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, live before your naked ears, David Alexander with the solo from Let's Dance On. over here. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the instrument, right? I mean, doesn't it sound like that's yes, the record? Yes, that's, that's yeah. it. I was like, it's either that or one of those old-time electric organs yeah. that you plug in that blow air to make the sound. But definitely, I was like, yeah, that's a melodica. I'm so psyched. But I and honestly I think that most people were sitting in on the edge of their couch going, what the hell is that thing? Right. Somebody was like, I thought you were playing a big Slurpee because it has that. <laughs> That I blow through what looks like a big old Slurpee straw. <laughs> Plus, it's right? got all those trippy acid colors on it. Did you paint yeah, that, or? I did when I was calling around the stores to find out if they had any. The guitar center said, "Oh yeah, we got one, but it's got like all these like multicolored, like rainbow kind of colors on it." I'm like, "Really? Is it like psychedelic?" And they're like, "Yeah, you could say that, but what it is, it's like kind of Rastafarian, <laughs> but yeah. it's still." does kind of pass as psychedelic so it looks like something from a vw bus you know yes back in (laughs) 1968 so it's groovy i lucked out Let's dance on, oh baby, come on. 
It's like small enough to, that I can carry it on the plane. You know, I just stick it under my seat. It, it's no big deal just to carry around, and I have it at all times. So one day we were at uh, we were connecting in Dallas Airport. I think it was Dallas, or it might have been North Carolina. Anyway, it was this big ass airport where the gates are very very far apart, and all the monkeys were traveling this day. All of us, the crew and the guys so we were all on the same flight connecting to the same flight and we had a very far connecting gate so <clears throat> i'm walking along i'm like walking fast next thing you know i see one of these airport carts you know dr you know pull up and there's coco and peter and this other random lady were in the cart and there was an empty seat and peter's like come on get in get in so i'm like oh, okay thanks so i get in the empty seat and now the guy's driving through the airport, and you know there's crowd, there's people walking in the way. Mm -hmm. So the driver starts going beep 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 beep, you know, with his mouth because he didn't have a horn, a working horn on this cart. You know, sometimes they usually go beep beep. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. This guy yeah. didn't have anything, so he's saying beep beep beep, beep and people are moving. So what do I do? I look down in my hand and I have my melodica. So I take it out and I start going. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter loses it. He is like, oh yeah. He he just thought it was the most brilliant idea he's ever heard. And the guy's looking back at me like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's working. People are parting the sea like a Moses playing the <laughs> melodica in the airport, walk, you know, pedestrian traffic. <laughs> what a trip. What a trip. <laughs> the fun we have. There you go. The Hi, this is Dave Alexander and hashtag induct the monkeys. It's about time these gentlemen got what they deserved. 
there are plenty of other bands in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that had the same sort of setup as the Monkees did as far as other musicians playing on their, their hits. But for the Monkees to come around 50 years later and prove to the music industry that they still have a, a foot to stand on is reason enough why they really should be in there. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's weird because I, there's there's two great omissions from the 60s in my mind. And that's the Monkees and Paul Revere and the Raiders. How can you not have the Raiders in there? You know, they were such a good, fun time band. I mean, just like the Monkees. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And it, it seems like just because they were on TV, they uh, get looped in like they're not a real band or something. It's just so right. bizarre. But uh, old Paul Revere, he had those boys cooking. He had them working like a bunch of ninjas. They are from their choreography down to every bit of the stage act. To it just was very well done, and uh, it really it it was kind of like between the Monkees and the Raiders. It's almost like uh, they made it so that like every kid in the suburbs thought, you know. I can do that, and it just happened. I mean, don't don't you see that? Yeah, I totally agree. It made me do it. <laughs> Absolutely. I wonder how many kids their first song was Stepping Stone. You know what I mean? Right. Because it's just a simple chord progression, and bang, there you are. Yep. So hashtag induct the monkeys. We want everyone to do that. Uh, tweet. Uh, Jimmy Fallon and the people from Rolling Stone and stuff like that. We we can all make this happen. Let's get this done. Yeah, get this political bullshit out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. A That's lot of people right. want it. That's right. <laughs> well, we want to thank you for coming on the show today and for Thanks being again. part of the Monkeys Touring Band. And I look forward to running into you and myself. So. Yeah, definitely. Come and say hello. All right, definitely will. Well, we will see you all on the next episode of Zilch, and thank you, Dave, once again for being a fantastic guest, despite what uh, Rich and John were going to say. No, no, they no, they both spoke very highly of you, but, but seriously, Thanks, thank, thank you for Thanks, being here. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, great talking to you all. All right. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit Monkeys Audio fancy made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the Monkees or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. Really, everybody cool it, because I won't be able to get through this. Action. Hey, wow. It's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, gee, that's a nice thought. Gee, that's a neat button. What does it say? Let's go again. Are you ever going to sing uh, Daydream Believer as Edith, by the way? <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> Too sacred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I sing Auntie Griselda as Edith though. Yeah, I thought I heard uh, something the other night. You know, did yeah. you did you pepper a little bit of that? He told me to, you know, do that. Excellent. <laughs> Fantastic. That's funny. Good stuff.
Yeah. And when and when they say it's looking good, she asks as if it's understood. (laughs) (laughs) Only a complete. I see what you did there. Only a complete beetle nerd would pick up on that one. (laughs) I'm quite prepared for that eventuality. Drives me crazy. When I was a little kid, I had this record, like the Beatles Invade America or something like that. It was a two-album set, and it was this disc jockey, and he would interview each of them. And I'm like six years old, running around imitating all of them, including nice. the disc jockey. So I'm like, the world's never seen such a thing here as as the Beatles land as they get off their plane. You know, here's the group's leader, John Lennon. You know, and he, or you know, and here's the quiet Beatle, George Harrison. And it was weird because like you'd see like George. Uh, in Hard Day's Night, he's like almost hyper compared to how he is with Interview. But of course, yeah. the way they traveled and everything, it was so different because there's like George, like as we were saying earlier, I'm quite prepared for that eventuality. But then, you know, they'd like, George, tell us, what, it's, what is it like, you know, traveling across country? Well, the thing is that, you know, <laughs> um, and he would breathe and paces words out so deliberately you know and, oh wow you know, yeah so pretty good <laughs> oh thank you well I, I i used to do this thing where like paul was the bimbo of the group because <laughs> he's you know he's like you know john's like you know you can say we're better than christ as a person or god as a thing and then you know uh, paul's like you know i'm not all into that you know religion daft kind of thing you know wingly wombly dingly and then like Ringo he's like you know Paul's nothing but a bimbo I mean let's be honest Paul's you know peace and love but come on he's like wingly dangly do that's Paul you know I mean thank god he's good looking you know and can write a few songs because you know he got short changed in the uh, you know brains so, peace and love, peace and love. So, yeah, just imagine that annoying six-year-old running around the house doing that. So, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> You're 53 and still annoying. So, anyway, peace and love, peace and love. Yeah. <laughs> do you do all the lads? It's been a while, but yeah, the Christmas album was big for me oh, as yeah. a teenager. So, yeah, yeah. We used to do that, that one running around the house as teenagers, you know. Got a gumbo to you, got a babel to you. Happy Christmas Day, birthday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put this in the bloopers section of the show. So. Right. <laughs> Dave and Ken talk the Beatles. Uh-oh. <laughs> so we, we could do that all night. <clears throat> well, That's the one. That's my impersonation these days. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. my. I do Stevie Ricks version of Paul McCartney these days. Yeah, that's the one. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's a trip. That's a trip. The year of the monkeys. The monkeys are coming to your town. Your Blu-ray player. Your CD player. And your computer. And you need to be prepared. Hello, friends of Zilch. I'm Craig. And I'm Megan. And if you're looking for even more Monkeys content, you can find us at Same Page Cast. On the Pods and Sods Network at iTunes. 
Okay, see, I'll, listen, it only gave us a minute to do this commercial, so what I thought I would do is we'll just start talking about the podcast. I'll just talk about the Facebook page. Uh, Al, 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 why are you putting on those tights and that cape and that cowl? Wait a minute, you're... I knew that bat cast would come in handy someday. This is TV's Batman with an urgent message. There's a new podcast in town called the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. You can look them up on Facebook or look at their own podcast page. And now, Robin, quickly, to the Monkey Mobile! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Hello, Skywalkers! Hey, hey, Zilch Nation! Are you looking for a fun-filled Star Wars and Disney podcast? Well, if you answered yes, then join me, Richard Woloski, and my sweetie wife, Sarah, on Skywalking Through Neverland. We are the family-friendly Star Wars and Disney podcast that brings you entertaining stories from creators and fans. And we're also big monkey fans, too, so of course we have to slip in some monkey stories and interviews, like our discussion with director James Frawley. We also would go to the beach, for example, with the four boys, and I would just say, okay, roll down the hill. Uh, <laughs> do a funny walk. Did you create the monkey walk? Yeah, I mean, we did it together. You can hear us every week. We are Skywalking Through Neverland, wherever podcasts are played, and at skywalkingthroughneverland.com. We look forward to having you in our Skywalker family. And always remember, Neverland never on, on Alderaan! Alderaan. Or Mammoth Studios. I get that now. <laughs>